Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. We serve a good God. Amen. And you can open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We are in chapter 3 today. Praise the name of the Lord. If you, if you can remain standing for the reading of the word, that would be great. Praise the name of the Lord. The book of 1 Thessalonians, we're in chapter 3, and verse 11. All right, when you got it, say so. And it says here, it says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he, that he may establish our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony, Lord God, of Shelley today, Lord. Thank you for the encouragement that there is, Lord God, in your presence. Thank you for moving in our midst. Spirit of the Lord, I just pray that in these next few moments that you would use this time to draw our hearts to you, to speak to us, Lord God, to build our faith, and Lord God, to just align us with your heart and your mind. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use me and that not only that, but that you would give my brothers and sisters in this place ears to hear what you are saying to your church. We pray this in the good name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so today we're going to be talking about prayer. And as we do that, I have a video that I want to show before I get into the message. Um, and so as, as we do that, um, if you don't have an outline, just raise your hand, hold it up. As the video is playing, the ushers will get them to you. But um, check this video out. And I'll, and I'll... There's a famous nursery rhyme that simply goes, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Mr. Dumpty's world had become shattered, and he needed it fixed. But he didn't go to his friends or his family or even his church. He went to the White House. Now, we know he went to the White House because the king got involved. The king was sympathetic to Mr. Dumpty's dilemma, so he called a meeting of Congress. We know Congress got involved because all the king's men got involved. The tragedy of the nursery rhyme is when it was all said and done, all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. It is unfortunate today that far too many believers are expecting the solutions to our problems to land on Air Force One. I'm taken to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua is doing reconnaissance around the walls of Jericho. He looks over and he sees the captain of another large army dressed in battle array. Now Joshua's mama didn't raise a dummy. He wanted to know whose side are you on? Because if you're on our side, then we've got help against Jericho. But if you're on their side, we've got double trouble. So before I go out here and make a fool of myself, whose side are you on? That's when the captain says to him, I think you are confused. I'm neither on your side nor am I on their side. I'm cap 
captain of the Lord's army, I did not come to take sides, I come to take over. You and I have to understand, is God does not ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. That if you're a Democrat, the best you can do is vote Democrat light, L-I-T-E. A Republican light, L-I-T-E, because your job is to bring the either one, the L-I-G-H-T. Your job is to represent another king in another kingdom. You and I belong to another kingdom. Let's represent the king. Amen, amen, amen. So I figured I would share that just to lighten the mood a little bit. Glory to God. I know y'all watched the debate the other day. You wasted a lot of time. Amen. I don't know why, I don't know why anybody expected anything different, you know. But anyway, we'll just move on from there. I want, I want to share that because there is no question that there are some shattered things, right, that are going on in our days, right? There are some shattered lives. We're living a day and in a nation in a time where things are shattered, things are broken, and we need to make sure that we are turning to the right source for the solution to the situations that we are facing. And as we've gone through this series and we're looking at end time encouragement, what I, what I realize is that, you know, the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Thessalonian church as they're walking through shattered times. There's lives that are shattered. There's situations that seem irrepar- you know, irreparable. And there are things that are going on. And it's like, okay, so who do we turn to? You know, I, I, was, I was sharing with someone as we were camping with the men, and, you know, they were telling me about their difficulty. You know, they're, they're struggling with certain things. You know, they, they, they work in hospitals, and they see these sick children that are suffering, and it seems so, you know, unjust. It seems so unfair, right? I, would, would everybody say amen to that? Like, like, like there's no, you know, and I didn't sit there and pretend to have some great, you know, philosophical, theological, amazing answer, to, you know, to bring, you know. To, I, I just said, you know, man, I struggle with the same questions. I don't understand why that's like that. But you know what I do know? I do know that God is good. I do, that, I do know that God is loving. I do know that God is gracious. And I do know that, you know, and what I said to him was, I said, listen, I said, you know, here's the thing. I said, you might have 10 questions that you never get an answer to, that never like sit right with you, that you're never satisfied. I said, but you know what God does? He gives you hundreds of answers to your questions. He gives you hundreds of answers to other questions in which we can stand firm upon his word and say, you know what, God, I don't understand those 10 things, but I understand the hundreds of things. I understand all of these other things that are right. And so when the Apostle Paul is sharing here, he's communicating with the people, and he's showing them his prayers. And I want you to notice today I have three verses. Normally I go through maybe 10 or 15 verses, something like that. Today we're going to go through three verses, and it's because it is a prayer. And what I love to do every time that I walk through a book in the Bible and there is a prayer that is written out for us, I always want to take a moment and pause and look at those prayers in the Scripture because I think that they are helpful to us to learn how to pray and to become people who pray the way that God wants us to pray. Can you, can, can, you, can you see that in the scriptures? They're there for us as an example. You know, we don't have the privilege of being in a room with the apostle Paul when he prayed, but what we do have is we have his prayer written down. And so we can look at how I prayed. And so today I'm going to talk about prayer points. And um, we should never, in your outline here, we should, we should be clear as to the great need there is for God in the nation and times in which we live. Equally, We must realize that while God does not need anyone, are you here? 
He has chosen his body, his church, his people, you and me, to be vessels through which his power is manifested in a tangible and life-changing way in our culture, and prayer is a part of the process. Amen, somebody? This morning in our prayer circle, we prayed for Samantha, Rochelle. We prayed for God to do something in her life. But you want to know what? That isn't the first prayer that we've prayed. We have been praying. Helen has been praying longer than we've been praying. Hello. And there's prayers that are continuing to come before the throne room of grace. And the reason we were praying this morning collectively is because for the glory of God, the young lady decided that she was going to go to church after having not been in church in years, in a long time. And so praise the name of the Lord. We're able to come beside and pray together. And we believe that there is power in prayer, not because of the prayer itself, but because of the one we're praying to. If there is one thing that I want you to get, and I will try to drive home throughout this entire message, it is about the one that we are praying to. And while prayers should be natural, for many, it is difficult to practice. Sometimes it is due to the lack of discipline, and other times it is due to the lack of development. So there are two things that we see here. First of all, three things. The first thing is that prayers should be something that is natural to us, right? It should be something that it, that, that it just happens, right? It should be something that's just there. You know, you think about a child. You know, children are communicating even before they know vowels and syllables and all that consonants. Before they know anything, they're communicating. Amen. In the middle of the night, they are crying as loud as they can to get your attention. I'm hungry, I'm wet, I'm something. They want your attention. Something is going on. They're communicating. It's natural. They don't just stay shut. But there's something that does happen in some situations. In some situations, there are children that are developmentally disabled, right? There are issues with their, with, with their communication. One of the things that my wife, you know, um, encourages because her her first language is Spanish my first language is English and so what she has always encouraged from the time that you know Alexis was a baby Josiah being a baby I was rebellious with Alexis um, I'm a little bit more obedient with Josiah but it was to speak to the to speak to them in Spanish predominantly when you're talking to them and that way they can know a language but one thing that you know the doctor said was that when you do that just know it may take them a little bit longer to talk it's just a reality because they're going back and forth between English, Spanish, you know, they're watching stuff in English, they're hearing us. Now, mind you, while we talk to Josiah in Spanish, well, when we're talking to each other, we're talking in English, so he's getting like two pictures of what's going on, right? And so ultimately, there's some issues there. But when you have a child that, that, has, that has, a, has a developmental issue, then it's not, communication is not natural to them, right? It's, it's not like, you know, uh, other kids, they'll talk, but there's some things that don't just come as naturally. And spiritually, it's the same thing. For some of us, it's natural for us to talk to God. When I first became a Christian, it was like a natural thing. I mean, I started real early on writing journals, and, you know, I'm not even a journaling type of guy. I don't journal now, but at that time, I, you know, I would write down things that I saw, prayers. I was like, well, I need to write down the armor of God, and I started writing down things, and I would go through this, and, and that's how I learned to pray, and I would go to prayer meetings, you know, and I would hear people pray, and that's how it just became a natural thing, but for other people, it's not so much, and so the question is this, is it a discipline issue for you, or is it a development issue. If it's a discipline issue, you've got to repent. That's what needs to happen just immediately. Like if it's a problem that you're just too lazy to get up and pray, that's a problem. If it's a problem that you're not willing to stay up later to pray, you know, because you have two different types of people in a room, you have those who are early birds, you have those who are night owls, whichever one you are. If you're the kind of person that stays up to two o'clock in the morning on the internet, I think you're crazy, but you know, I do it sometimes, but not often because I'll be worn out the next day. But if you're that person that does that, then you know what, then, you, then probably, listen to me now, your best time to be with God is going to be late when everybody else falls asleep. All good. 
Here's the thing. Are you willing to shut off the TV? Are you willing to shut down the internet? Are you willing to just get on your face before Jesus? Or are you too undisciplined to do that? If you're the early bird, you know, and you have no problem getting up early in the morning, you know, there's one guy that he sits at my table at Forge in the men's ministry that I'm part of. He sits there and he says, man, he says, it's, it, it's like my batteries just wear out and then they pop on. He's like, I'll be there. And he's like, immediately, I lay in the bed and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm knocked out. And he said, and then like, you know, four o'clock in the morning, it's like my eyes pop open and I'm ready to go. Just like, like everything is ready. And I'm like, whoa, bro, that's intense right there because I'm not like that. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm the more of the early bird type of guy. But I can tell you what, if you're that kind of person, that you have no problem getting up early in the morning, but you have a problem getting up a little bit earlier to pray to Jesus, you need to repent. That's just the bottom line. It's a discipline issue. But if it's a development issue, if it's an issue where you just don't feel confident praying for whatever the reason is because you feel intimidated to pray or whatever, then this is why we look at these prayers of the Apostle Paul because this is how we develop and this is how we grow in those areas. And so here's what I want you to get. Last paragraph here. Prayer must mark our lives before our lives will mark the lives of others. Did you hear that? Prayer must mark our lives before, before our lives are going to mark the lives of others. If we're not being marked by God in prayer, if we're not being impacted by God in prayer, if something is not happening to us in prayer, we are not going to see the maximum impact in the lives of other people. See, I'm a firm believer of this, that there are, there, there are two types of impact that we see in, in, in the lives around us. One of them is the impact that is there. It, it, it is what is just a general impact because the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. God's word will never return void. Like those are scriptures that are there. And so the word of God in and of itself, just by me speaking it, just by me saying it, is going to impact people's lives. But here's what I want you to realize. A life that is sanctified, that is separated, that is saturated in the power and, and, and in the presence of God combined with the word of God and the scriptures is a life that's going to make maximum impact in the lives of those that are around them. That is a reality that I want to see for us as the people of God. And I believe God wants to see that. The reason why we see the impact that was there when we look at the first church in the book of Acts, the reason why we read biographies, if you do that, and you hear stories of people who were amazing preachers. I think it was Charles Spurgeon. I'm not totally sure. But, you know, he said, people come to see me burn. That's what it is. And he wasn't talking about how much of an amazing preacher he was. He was a guy that was in there with God. He was a guy that was seeking the face of God. And when he got up on on the pulpit when he opened his mouth what was occurring was what had happened in his prayer life what had happened in his separated time with God was overflowing when he got up to speak are you here and it's the same thing in our lives. You may not be a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher for people to be impacted by your life. You, don't, you just have to be a person who is being a witness, who is being a light, and who is able to speak and give an answer for the hope that is within you. And that will bring impact to the lives that are around you. See, here's the thing, and, and this, is, this is the big idea for the day. Prayer points us to Jesus and will move us to point others to Jesus. Are you here? Big idea is that prayer points us to Jesus. Prayer brings us into the presence of God. Prayer will move us to point others to Jesus. That's, that, that, that's what I see here when I'm reading this prayer of Paul. And I, and I see what he is trying to communicate to this church as he's praying for them. And so three things here that we'll deal with today. The first one is this. I ask you to repeat after me. Say prayer, prayer. Must, be must be directional. Prayer must be directional. 
Prayer has got to move me someplace. What I, what I want you to get about prayer is that prayer is not some st- um, stagnant, powerless exercise. It is directional. You know, for us, for us as men, right, you know, I, we, we, often, we often talk about this. And, you know, ladies, this shouldn't come as a surprise to you. Um, and if it does, I'm about to give you some good information so you can understand how men think. And so men, when you come to a man with a problem, right, any good man wants to do what? Amen. I, all the men should have yelled that. Glory to God. I'm trying to help you out right now. Right? See, women want to communicate just to communicate sometimes. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. I, 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 that wasn't a shot. I'm just saying, like, you know, women, I, I, I told you all about the Uber driving, right? I've had some experiences with um, two, two different, well, not two different, but I've had, you know, some different women this sounds so terrible what I'm saying. I've had some different women in my car, okay? But, you know, and, and so anyway, um, the, fir- the first one of the first pictures I did, it was for two um, Caucasian women were driving, and they're talking, so I can understand their conversation, and they're just like, I mean, from the point of pickup, glory to God, to the point of drop-off, they're just, I'm like, glory to God, that's amazing. That same night, right, because I'm thinking like, guys, like, we'll talk, but we breathe, you know? Um, you know, and, and, and so anyway, the next pickup was even more hilarious, right? And I picked up these two Asian ladies, and I had to drive them from Longwood all the way to Lake Buena Vista. That's a long drive, right? It seemed like it was a flash for them, I promise you, because they were talking. And now they were speaking in another language, right? So I couldn't understand anything that they were saying. And I'm like trying to hold in laughter the whole time because, you know, you see all the comedians, they make fun of stuff, right? So I just leave it right there. So I'm like dying inside. And so I'm, one of them is like, and the other one's like, see, and they're like cutting each other off. And I'm like, glory to God, I can't, in another language I'm lost, glory. I mean, it was just, it was that intense, right? But, but men are different, right? Like when you talk to a man, you know, some men, and some men are like really, um, Anthony's not here today. But, um, you know, I send Anthony texts sometimes and I send him a text and he doesn't respond for like two days. And you see, he's getting, that, that's Anthony's best friend right there. And he's like, yes, that's him. And it's not because he doesn't want to respond to you. It's because he's thinking, how's he going to respond? You know, it's like, that's how, that, that's just his, he's just super analytical, right? Some of y'all just ignore me, but it's okay. I got y'all. But not Anthony, right? Some of y'all are going to be like, not Bishop. I was thinking of how to reply to you. I was, you know. But when you talk to a man, right, a man wants to fix the problem. So when you bring information to him, he's processing it. And he's like, okay. So let me tell you how to fix this. And you should do A, B, C, D, and, and, and you're like, I, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. So this is Marriage Counseling 101, all right? Just listen, men, right? You know, you got to fix everything, right? And ladies, just understand he wants to fix everything, right? So just kind of work it out. But here's the reason why I say that. Sometimes, right, sometimes, especially for us men, prayer becomes difficult. Because we don't see results immediately. I don't know about you. And this, I'm, I'm just confessing as a guy, right? When I come to God with a problem, I'm not telling him how to fix it. That's what women do. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking, glory to God. But when I'm sitting down praying and thinking about a problem, you know what I'm thinking about? How do I fix it? How do I fix it? Like, I start off real spiritual. I'm just letting y'all know. I start off real spiritual. I'm like, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You are Jehovah Jireh, and you provided for Abraham, and you brought the lamb in the thicket, glory to God. And, Father, we have this. And I get real deep, and then before you know it, like two minutes into that, I'm like, okay, God, so how am I going to get this? How am I going to fix this? And, and I'm thinking through the process of how I'm going to fix something, right? And so what, what, what happens is sometimes prayer, and this has happened to me plenty of times, and this is no lie. 
I go in there really devoted to like lay it at Jesus' feet. I pray that prayer for about two minutes. I sit down there. I think. I get up and I walk out. I didn't really pray. And I'm like, I'm going to go try to fix this like this. Sounds like a good idea. Anybody ever done that? I'm just saying, right? You're like, you've, and, then, and, then, and then me, I don't know about you because I'm real spiritual, right? I'm just letting you know. I walk away and I'm like, man, God gave me this wisdom. Amen. <laughs> I'm like, the Lord, was, Lord, that was a quick response. Thank you. I, I'm feeling that right there, right? And so when it comes to prayer sometimes, we don't want to take God's direction. We want to be the one who directs. We just want to feel like we prayed about it. And what I want you to know is that prayer is not some powerless exercise, but it is a directional thing where God wants to do a couple of things. So what Paul says here in verse 11, let's look at it together. He said, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Now, you remember earlier when we were reading, right, last week when we talked about this, we talked about how Satan had hindered Paul from accomplishing the desire of his heart, which was to come to the, to the Thessalonian church. And so when he says this here, he's saying, okay, you know what, I've tried. And, and, and what I love about the Apostle Paul is he doesn't say, you know what, I'm just giving up. He doesn't say, well, Satan hindered me, so I'm done. Are you here? He doesn't just give up that way and say, well, I tried this way. I tried this way. I did everything I could to make it there. And it's just not happening, so I'm just going to forget about it. That's not what he does. But Paul says he's praying this prayer that the Lord would direct him. So the first thing I want you to realize is that prayer draws us closer to God. If you write it down, you can write this down. Prayer draws us closer to God. That's the first direction that prayer should bring us is closer to God. It's not just coming to God with a laundry list of things, presenting them to him and walking out of his presence, but it is coming closer in proximity to God. It is coming deeper into a relationship with him. It is bowing before him. It is me when I give you the example of how I do that. It is me coming into God's presence, and I've done this on many occasions, where I have got up, walked out, you know, try to fix whatever the situation is, but then I come back into God's presence and say, God, I'm not just coming to you because I just want to get an answer to a prayer. I want to know you. I don't just want to present my problems to you like you're some genie in the sky and I have, you know, because the Bible says his mercies are new every day. And so some of us think that that's how God is, you know, he's just going to fix your problems every day and that's how you come to him. And if you don't have any problems, then you're okay. But wait a second, is that what God really wants from us? God wants us to be closer to him in proximity. I said this during communion time. The Bible says that Jesus, Jesus' flesh was torn, right? It was torn, and his flesh was symbolic of the veil. The Bible says when you read the end of one of the Gospels, it says that when he was crucified, that the veil of the temple split from top to bottom. And this veil separated man from God. We talked about this the other week where we were separated. Everybody could not go into the Holy of Holies. But because God wants us to be close in proximity to him, in relationship with him, because he wants to have intimacy with us, what he does is he removes every obstacle, not so you can yell louder so he can hear you more clearly, but it is so that way you can approach him and come into his glorious and marvelous presence and be transformed by his glory. Are you getting this? 
It has to be directional. It has to bring us closer into his presence. Not only does prayer bring us closer to God, but prayer also moves us into the lives of others. We talked about that last week as well, and we'll look at that. But Paul is praying for what? He's praying for God's direction to what? To the people that he cares about. Because he is in the presence of God, then he is also seeking out the people of God, and he's also seeking out those who don't know God. So that's what prayer should be doing. And then the last thing is prayer. I love this part here. Prayer moves things or brings things into order. I love the word direct. Say direct. When he says they're direct, when he's saying that God would direct me to you, the word direct means to make straight, guide, direct, or the removal of the hindrances to coming to one. Now, remember what I said about that word, Satan hindered me last week. You remember that word? Remember that word meant it broke up the road, right? And so what Paul is saying, while Satan hindered me and broke up the road, guess what? I believe God is able to direct me. And the road that was broken up, God is able to make straight. The road that was, that, that, that was all twisted, the road that was all bumpy, the road that became uh, incapable of driving. We had a crazy situation when we went camping um, as, as we went camping over there in, in, in the campsite, they're always doing some kind of construction, building some stuff. And so they're doing construction, and Brother George Domo gets there late at night, right? So during the day, I got there during the day, and I was confused. And so at night, I mean, I can only imagine. Well, you know what? If my brother got off the road and ended up in a ditch. Hello, somebody. Right? Ended up in a ditch, stuck. Brothers had to go out there and get him. Get him out. Praise the Lord. He's here today. They're there today. So everything worked out. But... But here's the thing. The thing is, when I look at that situation, the roads out there were not ideal roads. Like, those weren't roads that you were going to be flying on. Those weren't going to be. At some point, they will be, but not today. And so what we have to realize is that God wants to bring things into order. He wants to bring us closer to himself. He wants to move us towards other people. And he wants us to know that he has all of these things in his hand. And I want you to get something. That, every, that, that, that the things that the enemy wants to hinder us from, don't think this. And, and this is going to sound cliche, but I'm going I'm to expound on it a little bit. Delay does not mean denial. It only means a time for development. Now, what I mean by that is this. When I say delay, okay, hear me when I say this. Sometimes no is a delay. What do I mean by that? What I mean is sometimes you and I want something that is way outside the will of God. So what I am telling you is that there are some things that God is saying no to you and is delaying you from getting to where it is that he wants you to be, not where you want to be. Hello. Hello. Sometimes we are not going to experience every single thing that we want to experience because God wants to develop us. He wants to mold us in some things that we want. He's like, I don't want that for you. You know, we have students that are in college here, and, 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 I, and I'm not trying to prophesy into your life or anything like that, but I will say this. There are people that have started college on one trajectory, and in the middle of college, God got a hold of their heart and was like, that, that's not the direction I want you to go. Now, I don't want y'all to waste no money. Amen. That's why I tell young people, y'all, y'all think it's funny. I, there, there's, there's a couple of things that I tell, tell young people. When I was a youth pastor, I was always on this. I mean, listen, number one, you need to be praying about the person you're going to marry. Hello. Especially if you think boys are cute, girls are cute. Hello. You need to start praying. Parents, you need to be praying for your child's future. Hello. Right? Like that needs to be something. It's too early. No, it's never too early. Start praying. 
That way they make right, godly decisions for those things. The other thing that I tell, tell, tell young people about, listen, you need to be praying about what it is you want to do. Forget about all, you know, what you want to do. What is it that God wants you to do? Because you don't have to waste three years in college, four years in college. Get a whole degree. And listen, when I say waste, I don't mean waste like, because I believe, hey, it's good education, all that kind of stuff. But you don't have to waste that time pursuing something that's not in God's will for your life. You could spend that time pursuing God's will, pursuing God's heart, pursuing God's desire. So it's important that we pursue him for those things. But what we see here is that the enemy, listen, when we are delayed, that's God trying to develop us for something. That's what we need to look at, you know, and, and stop looking, you know, at, man, I want this, I want this. Start looking at what is it that God wants in you or what is it that God wants out of you? What is it? What is it that God is trying to do in that season? The season you may be. You may be in a season of delay right now in your life. I don't know. You may be in a season where you don't understand why it is that you have not seen. You know, we were, we were at, the, at the camp, and Minister Frank brought a powerful word to us, and it was what? It ain't over, right? That, that we're moving towards some things that God has for us. But listen, on the way there, there's some moments of delay. There's some moments of pause. There's some moments of salah that you need to sit back and hear from God and say, wait a second, is there something lacking? in my life because I firmly believe you know the saying this is another cliche statement you know God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the call but can I tell you something that qualifying process is painful and sometimes long hello and so what is it that God is trying to develop what is it that God is trying to mold us into the second thing that I want you to see and say this with me prayer points us to biblical abundance Prayer points us to biblical abundance. The second thing we see in Paul's prayer, and he says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another, to all and to all, just as we do to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound. Say increase and abound. Because in our days, we hear a whole bunch about increase. We hear a whole bunch about abundance. We hear a whole bunch about prosperity and things of that nature. And listen, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I firmly believe, man, that God wants to bless people's lives. I hope you believe that. I don't, I don't believe that God is happy with anybody, anybody being broke. I don't believe that God rejoices over anybody being in those type of situations at all. But what I do realize is that not everyone is going to be rich. Hello, somebody. What I realize is that we need to be the kind of people that are looking for biblical abundance, not the kind of abundance we want. We need to be looking for, and, and let me say this too, for those of us that are going to have that abundance, right? I mean, the reality is, why does God bless us like that? Is it for us just to experience it and, and, and hoard it, or is, is it for us to be a blessing? Which one is it? It's for us to be a blessing unto those who need. It's for us to be able to minister. It's for us to be able to even, listen, and, and let me say this like this. It's not only giving handouts. Are you here? It's not just that. You know, I loved, I was sitting down with a brother, and I, I don't want to put nobody out there. You know, I was sitting down with a brother. We were having a good conversation as well, and we were talking about their plans financially. And, man, I was super impressed. I was like, man, that's awesome. And as I'm sitting there, I'm getting educated. I'm learning stuff there. And so, listen, when I talk about, you know, you being a blessing, that's being a blessing. Sitting down with someone, you know, you've heard the same, man. Don't just give someone a fish. Teach them how to fish. Hello. You feed them for a day or you feed them for the rest of their life. And so ultimately, it's us being able to seek God for biblical abundance. And what does he say to do here? Well, he makes it pretty clear. He, say, he, shows, us, he shows us exactly what it is that we should be praying for in abundance. In verse 12, he says what? That the Lord may make you increase and abound in love. Say in love. in love. 
That we abound in love. Because let me tell you something. You can abound in money and be empty of love. And, I, and, and you, you can have a whole bunch of material stuff but lack what really matters. And that's the love of God that is exuding your life, that is manifesting through your life, that is moving you into the lives of other people. See, in many cases, our greatest issue is that we have been pursuing the wrong abundance. You know, I, and, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. The reason why the prosperity garbage that is out there is so bad is because it feeds the idols of your heart. And listen, as much as, 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 much, as, as, much as I hate to, to I, I don't know about you, how many of y'all like the word no? I know some of y'all like, I, I like using it, hello. But how many of you like to hear the word No. When you leave today and you're thinking about your amazing diet that you started, that you hate, glory to God, that you restart every Monday. You know why you restart every Monday? Because you hate hearing no. And you're going to say yes today, right? You're going to say yes to some stuff. You know, you don't want to hear no. Look, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, as, as a kid, I remember being, I remember being a kid, my, my, my sister who was 10 months younger than me, I always, I always, my mom didn't even know this, but I always used to tell my sister, hey, you go ask. We would fight. Maybe she does know. She probably heard us arguing. I'm like, come on, Chacha, go, you ask. You, you, you go ask. She's like, no, why? I'm like, you go ask. I'm like, they say yes to you more than me. Hello. The odds are with her, glory to God. She was going to get a yes. You know, the reality is I don't like to hear no. You know, I, my, my wife, you know, I, I, and straight up, you know, I'm, I'm a little spoiled because my wife spoiled me. I'm just going to tell you right now. She spoiled me. She's trying to break me out of that, glory to God. I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm going to be 40 in like six days, so I'm a little bit beyond breaking. But anyway, here's the deal. The thing is, I hate coming to her when I know she's going to say no. I hate to hear no. I get an attitude just like I'm a little kid. Just letting you know. She's like, what's wrong? I'm, I'm like, babe, I, you know, whatever. We can't afford it. Glory to God. Amen. Let's, let's move on. Let's, let's just move on, right? <laughs> Nobody likes to hear no, right? And so the problem is what the prosperity garbage tells you is that everything you pray for, here's, here's what it is. You, you got to get this. If you have a biblical promise, God has to say yes. That's what it says. If you, have, if you have a promise in the Bible, God has to say yes to you. Now, listen, I believe in some situations this is true, not in every single situation. There are some times, let me say it like this, God always reserves the right to say no to you when it's best for you. He always reserves the right to say no to us when it is best for us. And we've got to get that in our minds because when God says no, there's a reason. It isn't because he's not faithful, there's a reason. It isn't because he doesn't want you to be happy. There's a reason. There is a reason why he says no to us. And, and, and for some of us, listen, I mean, come on, man. You know, for some of us, we prayed for things that we know are in the Bible, that those things should be ours, and we didn't see it come to pass. And it caused us to question God, did it not? I don't know about you, but I know me. I know there's things in my life that I think should have worked out certain ways, and they haven't worked out those ways, and I'm like, man, is God not faithful? This is your pastor saying that. Hello. Is God not faithful? You know, did God not hear me? You know, and, I, and, and, I, and then I'm the type, I take the blame to myself. I guess I'm not holy enough. But the reality is there's just some things that God is going to say no to, and he reserves the right to say no just as any good parent does because good parents know what's good for their kids and what's not. Amen? 
But biblical abundance, prayer points us to biblical abundance. As we pray for others and ourselves, we need to pray for abundant love that moves us to sacrifice. Hello, how about that? You see, when I abound in love, you know what, you know what happens? When I'm abounding in love, I sacrifice for the people that I love. Are you here? How many parents, how many of you sacrifice for your kids? How many of you, how, how many parents in here, you have to say no to yourself for stuff you want to say yes to? Hello. Glory to God. I pay a tuition every year. Let me just tell you, I've said a lot of no's to myself, glory to God. And I'll continue to say a lot of no's to myself so my kids can say yes. So, my, so I can say yes to my kids for the things that, you know, and kids be like, I don't want to go to school. Don't pay for that. Glory to God. You're going to school. Amen. <laughs> But the reality is, you know, we, we, we make these sacrifices because we love people. You want to know what, church? You want to know the key to being sacrificial and joyful at the same time? Love filling our hearts behind why we do it. The Bible says what? God loves a what? A grudgingly nasty. Here you go, God. Hallelujah. You, you, you sitting down and, and behind your desk and you're writing checks. I'm like, why do I got to give God this 10%? I could use that 10% for something else. Bishop don't need that. I don't need You're right. I don't need it. Glory to God. That's not for me. Hello, somebody. It is for you and your relationship with God. It is for you and him. It is about you honoring him, saying, God, the reason why you do that is because you honor him for being a faithful provider. Think about it that way. I love, listen, I mean, y'all, we sang some of my favorite songs today. Stronger, one of my favorite songs. Great are you, Lord. I mean, these are, I love Great are you, Lord, because he said, the words of the song, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath. Understand that. Get that in your spirit. You don't breathe because you're so amazing. You don't breathe because you work out and because you eat right and, that, you know, you don't have asthma. You breathe because he allows you to breathe. You breathe because the breath that we have in our lungs is something that he provides for us. And that's the reason why everything that comes out of your mouth, that's the reason why Psalm 150 says, listen, instruments do this and do this with symbols and do this with that. And then he closes it out. He says, and if anything has breath in its lungs, let them praise the Lord. Why? Because you may think I didn't get a talent I didn't get an ability God says I gave you breath you praise me with that breath you praise me with all that you have because you're standing today because I gave you breath so you praise me with that with, with the finances because what because I gave you the breath for you to be able to work that job hello somebody I'm the one that provided that. But you know what? God, see, see, I'm over here like this, but you know what? God is not up there trying to beat you over the head. God wants you to know, I love you. That's the reason you're breathing. I love you. The reason why you're here today is because I love you. I came to this earth and died for you so you could breathe, not just breathe, but you could breathe real life. Hello. So you could have a real life experience while you're on this earth. That's the reason why I came. That's the reason why I gave my life so that way you could experience me. So you wouldn't have to be bound in your sin that you were born in. You wouldn't have to live a life separated from me, but you could be connected to me and you could bless me. So when our hearts are abounding with love, we're sacrificial, we're generous, we're forgiving. Hello, somebody. Forgiving. Forgiveness. If you, think, if you think prayer is a tough thing, oh, hello. Forgiveness. Why do we have such issues with forgiveness? 
It's because our hearts are not abounding with love. If our hearts were abounding with love, we'd be able to forgive. And I'm going to say this and move on. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Forgiveness is when I do not hold you accountable and, and say, hey, man, I'm not dealing with you. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not going to deal with you that way. Reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness takes one. Are you here? Forgiveness is me saying, I forgive you. I'm not holding you. I'm not holding anything against you. I'm not, I'm not allowing bitterness in my heart towards you. I'm not going to be that way. But you know what? Reconciliation is different. There's some people you're never going to be reconciled with. That's just the bottom line. It's a sad reality, but it's true. Because they will never repent. Are you here? Well, there's a difference. But forgiveness is an issue in your heart. Forgiveness is an issue that's there. And you know what? When your heart abounds with love, you can forgive people. The third thing that I will say this. Say this with me. Prayer points us to our need to be blameless and holy. Prayer points us to our need to be blameless and holy. Look at verse 13 here. He says, so that. Say, so that. So he points to the prayer that was prayed that the Lord would cause us to abound in love to one another and to all. So we should be loving, right? This is verse 12. We should be loving toward one another. We should be abounding in love toward all. And, and, and when it says all, it's not just the people of faith, but it's to those who don't know God. The reason why we prayed this morning, we prayed for ISIS. We prayed for those that are bound in those false ideologies. We prayed for their salvation. You know why we do that? It's because we don't hate them. Are you here? We want to see them saved. We want to see them delivered. Oh, yes, justice needs to be served. There's no question about that. But you know what? The Apostle Paul, he was persecuting the church only. Hello. See, now, you know, when, when it comes to, like, these other situations out there, ISIS and stuff like that, you know, it's not just Christians. It's anyone who's not Muslim in their ideas. That's them. That's for ISIS. Here's the reality. The reality, Paul was even worse because he hated one group of people. Anybody who called on the name of Christ. That is who he hated, clearly, because he felt they were presenting a false God. You know what God did? God caused this man to encounter him. And when he encountered him, we're reading his words right here. 12 to 13 books of the New Testament he wrote. He was a man who was martyred for the glory and the honor of God. And you know what I believe? What I believe is that if our hearts are right, then we'll pray the way that we should. We don't know what God is going to do, but we do know this, that we have, we have a responsibility to love and pray for our enemies. Are you here? Can't do that if, if love is not abounding in your heart. But he points us to, and so that the reason why he wants this abundance of love towards one another and towards all to be there is so that, and so he's connecting this, so that he, being God, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. And so I love that because he's pointing to what? He's pointing to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. End time encouragement. We're looking forward to the day that the skies part and that we are taken away to be with our Lord, to experience the marriage supper of the land, a, t a time of rejoicing. We, we're looking forward to those days. We're looking forward to that time. But on the way there, there's some tribulation. There's some trials. There's some hardship. There's some difficulty that we're going through. And the Apostle Paul wants our hearts to be blameless because here's the deal. I say this when we, when, we, when, we, when we deal with salvation. Salvation is something that God has done. I do not, and someone has asked me this before, I do not hold to the fact that I do anything to deserve or earn a right standing before God. Are you getting this? 
Nothing you do. I may feel good about something that I do. I may feel good about, you know, doing a good deed for someone. I may feel good about a message I preach. I may feel good about acting in a loving way. I may feel good about all that stuff. But that is not where my hope of salvation lies. My hope of salvation lies in what? It lies in the finished work of Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. It's not my perfection because I'm going to tell you something. I may have a day that in my eyes, and hear me when I say this, I'm not saying in God's eyes because God knows my heart too well for me to ever have a perfect day in his presence. Are you here? Oh, y'all didn't get that. I may feel like I've done a good job today. I may feel like I had all my T's dotted um, across, all my I's dotted. I may feel like I, I did every single thing that I was supposed to do that day. I didn't miss a beat. I may feel amazing on that day. But in the eyes of God, when he's looking at my perfection, you know what he says about that? Your righteousness is like filthy rags before me. Why, why does God say that? Because he just wants to be mean. He just wants you to know you're not good enough. God wants you to have low self-esteem. That's what it is. That's what it is. He, he, that's what it is, really. I mean, really. God just wants you to feel bad about yourself all the time. Can I tell you something? God never reminds me on my good days, hey, you're not that good. Are you here? But you know what he also doesn't do? On my bad days, he doesn't rub my face, you're terrible. You know what he does? He loves me equally on my good days and my bad days. That's what his grace is. That when I have a bad day, he loves me the same. When I have a good day, he loves me the same. But you know what I should be doing? See, here's the thing. I'm not trying to earn heaven. You should not be trying to earn heaven if you are a Christian. If you are not a Christian, you're trying to earn heaven. You're trying to figure out your way there. Can I tell you something? There is one way, there is one truth, there is one life, Jesus Christ. That's the way. He is the way to heaven. You put your faith in him, you turn from your sin. But if you're a believer, you shouldn't be trying to earn your way to heaven, but you should be striving to do this, to have a heart that is blameless and holiness before God. A heart that is pure. You see, and when I'm abounding in love, when I'm abounding, we were just talking about the commandments the other day. And, and, and when, we, when we deal with the commandments, the commandments of God that, that, are, that are manward, the commandments like not to covet, not to commit adultery, not to murder, not to steal, honor father and mother. When we look at those commandments, all of those things there, you know, those are part of the law. And, and what happens is when I am having a heart that is abounding in love, I'm not going to want to do anything to harm my brothers or my sisters. And that is what leads me to that place of having a blameless heart and holiness before God. And this is what the Apostle Paul wanted. And what I want you to get is this, church. Final judgment is final. Are you here? Final judgment is final. There is no like, oh, you know, you get another shot at this. No, 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 no. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. That's what Scripture says. When we look at this, here is the reason why I walk in a fear and trembling before God and I want to walk in holiness. It's not because I'm fearful that, you know, I'm going to do something or whatever. No, no, it's, it's, it's nothing like that that's going to hinder me, you know, from walking with God because I firmly have faith in what Jesus has done, right? But here's what I realize. What I realize, man, is that there are plenty that are going to come before Jesus and they're going to think they were good with him and he's going to tell them, part from me, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Are you hearing that? Part from me, I never, never knew you. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in, in, in Romans chapter 8, it says, Those whom God foreknew, he predestined. 
to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn born among many brethren. Those who he foreknew. You know what the gospel says? Part from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Before the foundation of the world, yeah, that's some scary stuff right there. Before the foundation of the world, he knew that you were going to be rebellious. He knew that you were going to be a hypocrite. He knew that you were going to be unrepentant. He knew that you were going to abuse grace. He knew that you were going to act like everything was okay. He knew you were going to put on your church clothes and act like it. And you know what he says? I never knew you as my child. Part from me, I never knew you. So why do I strive to be holy? Because I'm trying to earn something? No. Because of, holiness, because of holiness is not coming into my life, I'm not his. If I'm not becoming more like him, I'm not his. If I'm not growing in grace, I'm not his. And so if you're sitting in this place and you're not growing in grace and you're not coming to be more like him and you're not seeing yourself growing, man, there's a problem. But I want you to know there's also a solution. And that is the grace of God is there for anyone. He is faithful. And just, if you will confess your sin, and that's what he says, if you'll confess your sin to him, and he does what? Cleanses you of unrighteousness, forgives you of your sins. That's what he does. He offers it to all of us. That's the, that's the middle of the sin sandwich. The first part of that verse in verse, you know, um, eight, you know, or seven, or, yeah, it's, it's verse eight, it talks about if you, if, if, if you say you don't have sin, you make God a liar. Hello. But he's faithful to forgive you, Right? And in the last part of that verse, you know, the, the, the next verse there, verse 10, it talks about, you know, sin, you know, anyone saying that he, that he doesn't have sin. We all have sin. That's not the question. The question is, have we trusted Jesus Christ with our lives? And if we have, we're not living in sin. We're fighting sin daily. Amen? So I'm closing with this thought here. And I said this earlier. Prayer is not dependent upon the one praying as much, it is, as, much as it is on the one being prayed to. I want you to notice in that whole, those three verses there, everything points us back to God, God, God. It's God that's going to make a way for him. It's God that's going to give them abundant love toward one another. It is God who's going to establish their hearts in holiness, blameless. It's God who does it all. You see, when we talk about prayer and how some of us struggle in prayer, the truth of the matter is, is that some of us struggle because we don't feel good enough to pray. We don't feel like, well, I don't pray like so-and-so, so since I don't pray like them, man, does God really hear me? You know, it's one of the things that I'm, that I'm enjoying so much about this season of Connect. And listen, if you're not part of a Connect Life group, this is a great opportunity for you to become part of one. Don't wait. I mean, get connected with your brothers and sisters. This is an awesome time for us to fellowship. But what I'm enjoying more than anything, as we have, you know, we, we did away with the prayer calls. And so we want to make sure that we emphasize prayer in our Connect Life groups. So for our Connect Life group, the way that we do it is we have our time that we eat, and after we eat, we get together, we go around the table, we have a time for praise where we can go ahead and share praise reports, we can talk about something that God has done in our week, and then we open up for petitions. And when we open up for petitions, I've determined that I'm not going to lead prayer like I do on Sunday mornings. I'm not going to lead the prayer for the petitions. I say, hey, we're in this circle together. I'm going to be quiet. I'll open us up in prayer. I'll close us in prayer. And you guys go ahead, and as the Spirit leads you, you pray. There's nothing that I love more than anything. Listen, the reason why we do it like that on Sunday mornings where, we, we, where, I, where I pray for the petitions and I stop is because I love to hear the Spirit of God praying through you guys. 
I love to hear. And, you know, some people, I mean, I've seen people that pray, tears are flowing out of their face. Other people, they pray with boldness and conviction. You know, some people, they stumble over their words. But can I tell you something? That's all the Spirit of God working through different vessels to communicate back to himself about the petitions that are being there. And that is what our heart needs to be. Is that we recognize there are no perfect vessels. There's no perfect prayer. Listen, if you ever heard a perfect prayer, I don't. I, it's not really perfect. Hello, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect prayer. The reality is the one who we pray to. And so the call here this morning is what is that man is that we need to be a people that are given to prayer the way that Paul calls us to. And so bow your heads with me real quick, just just right where you're at. And I have a quick, quick question here for you. I want, I want you, to, I want you to, to, to consider this. You hear God's call for you to be a person who's praying. And prayer points us, right? It's directional. It leads us closer to the Father. It leads us into the lives of other people. It leads us into seeing God work out his will. And so if you're in this place, right, and I, I, I want you to hear what I'm saying. And you're like, man, God, I'm struggling with prayer. I'm struggling in this area, whether it's discipline, whether it's development, whether it's condemnation, whatever it is, you just know that you are struggling with prayer. And you say, God, I want to acknowledge that before you. And I want you to help me so that way I don't struggle, that I can get past this struggle. If that's you in this place, you say, God, I want your help to overcome this struggle. I just want you to stand if that's you. I just want you to stand because I want to pray for you. Don't wait for anyone else to stand. You stand. I see that. I see that person standing. I see those people standing up. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you that God will help you to be a man, a woman of prayer. That you would no longer struggle, whether it's development, whether it's discipline, whatever it is. Today, today's that day. Father, you see all of these that are standing in this place. And you even see those that maybe didn't stand out of embarrassment, Lord God. But I thank you because your word says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I thank you for those that have responded in faith. I thank you for those, Lord God, who are saying, Lord, I don't want to struggle anymore, God. I just pray today, Lord Jesus, that as they struggle through this, as they struggle through the discipline, as they struggle through the development, I pray that you would give them the grace that is necessary, God, that they would be able from this day forward, whether they're early birds, whether they are night owls, Lord God, whatever it is that is the norm for them, that they would make it a point to be disciplined in this area of prayer, that they would not walk in condemnation, that they would not walk in fear, that they would walk in boldness before you as a love and gracious God. Father, I pray that you would fill them with your grace, that you fill them with your wisdom and power, and that you use them in prayer as they've never thought they could be used before, God. Father, I pray that we would be a people that are given to prayer, my God. Not people that fall into prayer, but people that discipline themselves, Lord God. People that make a time to seek your face, my Lord. Father, and I do pray again against insufficiency in prayer, against condemnation in prayer, against doubt in prayer. I pray that we would be a people that know that you tore the veil so that we imperfect people could approach a perfect God to see his will done in their lives. Father, strengthen, encourage, and empower us to be all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy. Amen.